This is the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. Hello, friends, and welcome to a Wednesday Wisdom episode of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. And if you're wondering why the J, the answer is I am not a bagpipe player. And if that joke doesn't make any sense, I encourage you to check out episode zero where I explain that joke as well as the purpose of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast. But as to today's episode, our Wednesday Wisdom episodes are this. I am sharing the audio of my sermons from the church I pastor, Evident Grace Fellowship in Fredericksburg, Virginia, as well as sermons from churches I have pastored prior, as well as sermons that I've preached at other places. And I'm sharing them with you for this reason. My sermons are usually not too long. They're between 30 and 40 minutes long. And by sharing them with you, it gives you a chance for some spiritual encouragement midweek. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's challenging and encouraging, like I said. And if it is, would you please send me a note at uh, gordon at jgordonnuckin.com or maybe even share this sermon online, Facebook, or on your Instagram story. I hope you enjoy it. So let's get to the sermon. We're the kindest people anyone knows. We're the most gentle people on the face of the planet. We're faithful. If we say we're going to do it, we're going to do it. That's the description. That is, getting back to the big picture question, the living out of the lack of condemnation in our lives. Now, at this point in time, some of us are scared, some of us are guilty, and some of us are hope I'm going to be talking about grace and mercy soon. All of that's true. But we have been called, as Christians, to live a remarkable life led by the Spirit. Showing love, joy, peace, patience, and kindness to one another and to the world. Think about right now any cultural battle that's going on. If you want it to be political, make it political. If you want it to be the sexual wars, make it the sexual wars. If you want to make it the marriage wars, make it. If you want to make it a disagreement about the border, I don't care. Think about those disagreements presently. When the world thinks of the Christians in that topic, they should think how amazingly meek they are. How amazingly kind they are and gentle. And before we all go, yeah, the church should be that, let's start with, yeah, I should be that. Because that's a description of who we are. Don't worry, when we're looking for hope and peace and power, it'll be there. Look at verses 7 and 8, though. We just need to know this before we move on. The mind that's set on the flesh is hostile towards God. If we're focused on sin, that sin is hostile towards God. It is you taking up battle with God after peace has already been made. If we're going to run headlong into sin, you're picking up rocks to throw at God once again. But that life cannot please God. It's not the life you've been called to or the life you've been able to live. The mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life. Look at verse 9. You, however, here's the hope. Hey, guys, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Finally, Paul knows how weak we are. Paul, the preacher, says, hey, guys, it's okay. You're not in the flesh. If the spirit of God's in you, you're not in the flesh. Because when you hear that list, you might go, I don't even know if I'm a Christian, Gordon. That list scares me to death. I'm not very patient, kind, and faithful sometimes. I'm not. Paul says, you guys, however, this is not you. Is the Spirit of God in you? 
then you're not in the flesh. Do you have the Spirit of God? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Then the Spirit of God is in you. The Spirit of God is in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Your life is that the Spirit dwells in you. In our friends and our co-workers and our neighbors who do not know Jesus Christ do not have true life within them. You do. An untapped, never-ending, overflowing peace and life from the Spirit that dwells in your heart. So when you're weary against the battle of sin, when you think that the battle of sin you have lost, when you're, you're reminded and you wonder, why do I even keep doing this? You must be reminded that Christ When that condemnation was abolished between you and God, he gave you the Spirit. Remember when Christ told his disciples? He said, I gotta go because I got something better for you. I got the omnipresent Spirit that's going to indwell in your heart who's going to make the Scriptures make sense. The Spirit who's going to give you hope and the power against sin. The Spirit who's just going to transform you. Let me just stop for a minute. You may say, Gordon, this doesn't sound like me. In the battle against sin, I don't feel like I'm winning very well. Gordon, if you knew my thoughts, you'd want me in jail, not in, not in worship with me. Let me ask you a few questions to give you some peace, hope, and comfort, please. Let me ask you a few questions. In your mind, first of all, no raised hands, please. Are you aware of sin in your life? Do you have a a pricked conscience of perhaps I shouldn't have said or thought or felt that way? In light of that pricked conscience, do you ever ask God for forgiveness? In light of that pricked conscience and that if you ask for forgiveness, do you ask God to help you with obedience? Then I will tell you, that is a life lived by the Spirit. The world doesn't sit around asking God to forgive them for their sins and enable them to obey. Those are not the thoughts of an unbeliever. They are the thoughts of one in which the Spirit of God dwells. May we sometimes grow lax in that and get distracted by petty conversations? Do we get distracted by blue light? Do we get distracted by sensual pleasures? Yes. But the life of the believer has a spirit dwelling in them who reminds them of what obedience and grace and mercy looks like. You are not hopeless, Christian. You have not struggled to the point of death. The Spirit of God dwells within you. Look at verse 11. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. We mentioned this last week. I mentioned it again. So church, listen to me. Church, don't get distracted. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the Spirit that dwells in you through Jesus Christ. When we struggle 
wondering if we will ever overcome sin or ever obey. We must remember that our petty sin is not a larger obstacle than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is the Spirit who dwells in you. And He will give life to your mortal bodies. Let me give you three applications real quick of what it means for you to have life in your mortal body. Because if God promises you life, you may wonder, well, then I want it. What does it mean for God to give life to you in your mortal body? First of all, it's a contrast to the flesh. Paul just told us that to pursue the flesh is to die, right? So now, you will have life in your mortal bodies. That means that the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is going to enable you to obey. Your passions will change. Your desires will change. Your distractions will change. Areas in which you never thought you might ever obey, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is going to enable you to obey. It might be a long, slow progression. But the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead will enable you to obey. Secondly, giving life to your mortal body means that this this broken body of flesh and death, you can pray that God would give it life and even heal it. We don't serve a God whose arm's too short. You can pray for transformation, healing, and rejuvenation. We see it, but not always, so it makes us doubt that God can do it. But if Christ can raise, excuse me, if the Spirit can raise Christ from the dead, he can heal. It is not beyond him. And finally, if Christ is going to give life to your mortal body, it is a hope of heaven when we will pass beyond this broken body of flesh and Christ will give you a new body in which no tear and no pain will ever cross it again. That's the Spirit that dwells within you. That is the hope. Now, we need to begin thinking here. We need to begin thinking, what do I need to do to take advantage of this amazing spirit that's dwelling within me? Why don't I live this wonderful, powerful spirit-filled life anymore? Maybe you do. And those of you who do, come grab everyone else and let's be encouraged. I know they're out there among you. What do we need to do to live Spirit-filled, non-distracted lives where we're regularly growing in obedience, joy, peace, and patience. Well, when I struggle to articulate things, I find pastors who are more gifted than I who do a better job of articulating it. So let me tell you what Charles Spurgeon said. Charles Spurgeon is often called the pastor of pastors because when we don't know how to explain something, we just quote him who does a better job at it. This is his advice to us. It's not up here. Let me just read it to you. Spurgeon said, If you have received this grace, which is abounded over your sin, take care that you do more for grace than you ever did for sin. I should stop there. There's a lot more. But let me explain that. If you've been forgiven, pay attention to grace more than you ever did for sin. Like, take care. Like, Make it a pattern of your life. If you need reminders on your phone, if you need something on a piece of paper, if you need to put sticky notes on your mirror in your bathroom, whatever the case may be, focus on grace more than you did on sin before you knew Christ. 
Spurgeon goes on to say, it's a wonder how much people will do for sin. We'll do a lot for sin. We'll buy things. We'll jack up our credit cards. We'll neglect sleep. We'll skip meetings. We'll stay home from work. We'll do a lot of things for sin. We really will. I mean, we'll just rearrange our entire life for sin. I should not like to guess what some men waste on their lust. I should not like to make a calculation as to what some people spend in a year on what they call their pleasures. Well, whatever the amount is, shall they give more? Shall they do more for their God than we give and do for ours? Then let's pluck up courage. Let's try to use that expression more often. Can we pluck up courage a little bit more often? Let's pluck up courage. And solidly assert the glories of our God and the wonders of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Especially, let us never be ashamed to say, He loved me and gave himself for me. Bless his holy name forever and ever. So here it is. Think about this. Take an honest account right now. Think about what you do for your pleasures. Some are sinful, some are not. But think about what is it you do for sin? You sneak away to indulge. You make a justification for your sin. We do it. We make time for what we want. And if we're going to live a life that's free of condemnation, living forward, then we have to make plans for grace and mercy. We have to organize, organize our lives so we don't justify our lack of studying in Scripture. We need to organize our lives in such a way that we don't justify our lack of prayer. We're just distracted. And we justify our distraction. But you, my friends, the Spirit of God dwells in you. The same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Your unlimited power source for glory and obedience and mercy is awaiting you. And we are called to walk away from our distractions, to lay our desires before God in confession and pray that we would live transformed lives so that first our families, then our church and the world would say, what has gotten into you? We are free of condemnation. Now we live in light of that. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives within you. Folks, we give so much to sin. We give our time, our money, our schedules. We waste little 15 minutes of moments on lust and jealousy and anger every day, but we struggle to spend the same 15 minutes in the presence of the Holy Spirit in prayer or in scriptures. Our entertainment is so much entertainment. But I want you to be encouraged. I want you to know that the Spirit strives with you. The Spirit who dwells in you has not given up on you. He has not abandoned you. Christ could no more abandon you than he could abandon himself. The Spirit strives with you. If this is a season where you're given to distractions on your phone or sin or whatever the case may be, the Spirit has not given up on you. If something difficult or painful has happened in your life, and you've just decided to use that as the justification to be away from God, don't walk in mercy and healing through that. Sit with others and strive with them. Move your anger into a righteous anger or a confession of God of your need 
But let's not continue in sin and find reasons to justify it. The power of the Holy Spirit dwells within you. You're not condemned. Live in light of that lack of condemnation and the ongoing power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray that God would give us, in this moment, a reinvigorated desire to confess sin, but to embrace mercy. Let's pray that the Spirit would reinvigorate us to recognize, I'm not condemned, so what does it mean to live that? Like, literally pursue the question in your life beyond when I say it. What does it mean for me to live not condemned? Where do I allow condemnation to have a place in my life where it should have no foothold whatsoever? Let's pray that the Spirit would move us towards confession, faith, and hope, and new obedience. Seeking out reconciliation. Living a life that people scratch their heads about because it's so full of love, joy, peace, and kindness. While this message from Romans 8 may seem more harsh and convicting, it's enabling you, it's calling you to live a life by the Spirit. And the life of the Spirit is a life of freedom and joy and kindness. Let's wrap things up. If you've been with us before, you know how we typically do this. If you've never been with us, we try to give you a truth and application and action. And so let's move towards that. Our big picture question was this. How is life in Christ best understood backwards but lived forward? Here's a truth that I hope you can walk away with, okay? The Christian life is best understood by remembering that what Christ has done for you. Excuse that. that. Your best life right now, forgive the awkwardness, the best life that can be done for you right now is in every moment of the day trying to remember what Christ has done for you. We throw around expressions online now. They're living their best life. They're living their best life. We love that. For some of you who are not online, people love to throw around that expression. (laughs) The best life you can live is remembering what Christ has done for you. In the midst of your guilt, you need to remember that Christ died for your guilt. In the midst when you feel alienated and you feel a lack of intimacy with God, you need to remember that All of that has been condemned, and you've been brought into a relationship. When you feel that there's no hope for obedience, you need to remember that Christ rose from the dead so that you might obey and be brought into a fellowship with him now and throughout eternity. Let's look at our application. Let's try to live this out. Live knowing that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead gives life to your mortal body. You guys are going to say, Gordon, you're not very original today. I'm not. I'm not original at all. Live knowing... That the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. Dwell on that this week. In the midst of your weariness, in the midst of your sadness, in the midst of wondering, could I ever live a Christian life? Do I just need to grow up and abandon this at one point in time? You need to live knowing that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. He'll enable you to obey. He will give strength to this physical body, and you have a hope of heaven. Let's move on towards our action. This week, dwell in Christ. Thank the Father. Live by the Spirit. I was told this week in some reading, there's not a single Christian in the world abiding in Christ who's not active in the Scriptures. None. There's not a single Christian abiding in Christ right now who's not active in the Scriptures. Abiding in Christ is a a scriptural term for intimacy. Being close to your Savior. 
living a spirit-filled life. None of us are going to have a life that abides with Christ if we're not in the Scriptures. None of us. We wonder, why, why am I not close to Jesus right now? And I'm sorry, we're just not dwelling on him and spending time with him. The mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. My friends, we have to begin ordering our lives in discipline to dwell on Christ. Every distraction from our phones, every distraction from entertainment, from Netflix to television to our games, to the radio, to the football, all the things that we love and are not awful in and of themselves. But are we dwelling on Christ? Are we taking the discipline to think of who He is? Are we dwelling on the fact that the Spirit of God dwells within us? We'll find all of a sudden less time for petty things to take up. This week, pray that God would enable you to dwell on Christ, thank the Father, and live by the Spirit. Friends, this final moment of mercy before I wrap up. This final moment of mercy. You're not condemned. You are not condemned by your sin because you have faith in Jesus Christ. That's our starting point. If that verse is gone, if Romans 8.1 is gone, I am just beating you up and telling you to work harder. If 8.1's not there, I'm going to tell you, you better just pluck it up and work harder, campers, and you're going to fail. But if you're not condemned, then the Spirit of God dwells within you and enables you to be transformed, enables you to experience the love of God, enables you to live a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You have the Spirit of Christ within you. Let's pray that we can celebrate that, but that Spirit will apply to our lives and we'll begin to live powerful lives of abiding in Christ, connected to one another, and serving the world. Let's bow our heads. Father, please make these words hopeful. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Transform us where we need transformation. Enable us to repent. Enable us to be excited about worship. We just need help in every area. Father, grant it to us. Remind us that we're not condemned. In Jesus' name, amen.